Welcome to Behind the Circulation Desk, a Wake Tech Libraries podcast. You'll learn about new items in our collection through lively discussions about new resources with faculty and staff, little known stories about how things run behind the scenes at Wake Tech Libraries, and of course, stories that show how students succeed because of what we provide here at Wake Tech Libraries. I'm your host, Nicole Nichols, Instructional Services Librarian at the Scott Northern Wake Campus. In this episode, we'll talk to Jennifer Mincy and Todd Knuckles, who are in charge of the college's archives, which are housed at the Scott Northern Wake Campus Library. Then we'll delve into a discussion about one of our newest young adult books, A Large Expanse of Sea by Tahira Mathi with library assistant Jasmine Smith. Let's get started. Welcome to Behind the Circulation Desk. Today I'm here with two librarians who are in charge of the archives collection here at Wake Tech, Jennifer Mincy and Todd Knuckles. Um, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hi, thank you for inviting us, Nicole. So um, we're just gonna talk a little bit about the archives. So the first thing I wanted to talk about um, is the history. So tell us a little bit about the history of how the archives collection got started here. I'm going to let Jennifer because she has uh, she has more experience with that. All right. Uh, so the community colleges of North Carolina are subject to the public records and retention schedule. Uh, sorry, records and disposition schedule. So uh, for what you have to keep and what you have to get rid of. Um, around 1986. Uh, the records and disposition schedule for the colleges added a clause that said that the community colleges should have their own on-site archives for records of historical and cultural importance to the college. Any kind of permanent records that should be kept should be kept on-site. Some of those records also need to be kept at the state library. Um, and so Wake Tech around that time is when they formally established the archives, although it wasn't until almost 10 years later that the archives as we know it started to develop. Okay. Um. I didn't have anything to add no. to that. I think that's a pretty, you know, I, were you asking maybe like more specifically how the archives started? Here on this campus? Yes. Um, I, you know, I started out as a volunteer uh, a while back. This was four years ago. And it was, uh, I think at that time, we had had one intern mm -hmm. work on it. Yes. Before. There was, there was a, a person who was a library uh, MLS student. Gabriel Grania. He was our first uh, archives intern. And he had done some work. It was, most of it was in the basement of B building. Yeah. And uh, I think there had been some water damage. And then not too long after I started to volunteer here, we moved to this building. Um, and so as far as at North Campus, that's it. Then I would say about, oh, I don't know, gosh, just a couple of months ago, I started a, uh, an archives team just trying to see who would be interested in working on, because uh, our new uh, director, Dr. Davis, asked for an inventory of the, uh, I knew that that would be a big task, and so um, uh, 
we worked on getting the inventory together. So we do have an inventory, so but it, but it's been here, you know, I guess uh, in building. F since 2015 when the building opened uh, and I went out on leave for a little while so our wonderful then volunteer was uh, in charge of making sure everything made it over appropriately uh, so needless to say he was offered a position as soon as we were able to get one for an actual formal archives assistant at the time. So the archives that are here at North Campus are they for the whole school or are there other collections in other places? So the archives collection that we house is for all of Wake Technical Community College. There are other departments that keep their own records in an archives fashion uh, that either don't make it to us or that we only receive copies of. Uh, but as far as the master location for where all items, if you don't have a place otherwise that it can store, but it is necessary to keep, that's what we keep. Okay. Yeah, who had, there was, sorry, this no, may be ahead. edited <laughs> out, but there's some thing that we keep trying to get. And we the Health Science Campus is the exception because while we do have the records of Health Science Campus, the board meeting minutes actually are kept at Health Science because there's apparently something in the bylaws <clears throat> that say that that's where it is stored at. So they have all of the meeting minutes from the uh, the, the, the board uh, for Wake Tech. Uh, we have some copies, like we have the duplicate copy here, but we don't have a duplicate copy for every year. So they have the complete set, whereas we have the whatever there were extras made for. You know, there's, there's some kind of um, publication that, uh, there's some kind of publication. I, when I did the we went, we were at, it was a PD day, mm -hmm. and I set up, and I had that stuff, there was some kind of, said, I have a bunch of, like, something along the lines of, like, news and records, I have a bunch of these old news and records, in, and we've been trying to get them, and I can't remember what they're called, like, they're either, it's like a student publication, or some kind news of, News and Views? News and Views, that's it. There was a there was a there was a staff member or a faculty member said I have a bunch of old news and views, and I gave her my card. I actually remembered to bring my card and everything. <laughs> she never got back in touch with me. Oh um, no, we do have some copies of the news and views. Unfortunately, that is actually the ones that were uh, water damaged. Uh, some of the old news and views were water damaged over in Building B. Um, not all of them. Uh, thankfully, we were able to salvage and we were able to digitize the ones that we didn't have duplicate copies of. But it is also an incomplete set. So if there's a faculty member or administrator out there who has a complete set or even better, a digital copy of those, right. uh, as well as any other publication, we would love to have uh, to take those and see if we can fill in the gaps in our collection and of course make them available to anyone else. Right. I gave her my them. card but I didn't I didn't think to get her information <laughs> So News and Views that's the was at the school So um, News and Views was um lovingly referred to as the brag rag for staff and faculty. Oh okay. Uh and so that was um it had all kinds of things. Some of them may be even inappropriate because it was be widely distributed, but you would have like birth announcements, marriage announcements, bowling teams, things like that. Um, 
And then there was also a student publication that came out as well, and I cannot remember what that one was called, though. And, and that one was um, like Eagle News or something, and mm -hmm. that one was for student newspaper. Okay. So we, we had like two or three different series of publications that were being produced and printed out, and then eventually they all went online. First is online publications, and now it's evolved into, if you look at the Wake Tech homepage and you see the success stories mm -hmm. or highlights that are on the homepage, that's kind of what's replaced it. Okay. Um, so do you, each of you, do you have a favorite item in the archives? And if you do, uh, what is it? I have several favorite items. <laughs> I have we have an we have an, a Mad Men ashtray from uh, from when it was Holding Tech Institute. It was Holding Tech before it was, uh, and we have uh, a nurse's hat from uh, a graduate in from the nineteen sixties. Uh, that's really great. But then uh, we have these, uh, and I think it's really the best thing that we have. Um, for a while, I mean, this was very long ago, um, the 60s, the 70s, and 80s, we had these things called, um, they were scrapbooks, and you would, so you would, um, you would uh, subscribe to what was called a clipping service, and they would go through, you would subscribe to a clipping service, and you would say, I want every single article, you would give them a series of magazines, I want every article on Wake Tech from these magazines and these newspapers and these publications. And they would cut it out for you and then they would send you that. And then what they would do is they would take this and uh, they, unfortunately they used not great glue, but they put it into a big um, folio. A big folio. They're, they're enormous. And uh, we've got them from the 60s up until they stopped doing it around 2004. And we have them all. And the thing is, is that a lot of these, a lot of these publications, a lot of these newspapers are defunct. So these copies that we may have, unless we dug through what they have at NC State, may be some of the only copies of these articles. You know, it's like the, the Fuquay, you know, collar or whatever is long gone. You know? mm -hmm. And those are really, really cool. Especially the, uh, I feel like the '70s is really good because there's just so much information. Mm -hmm. It's uh, those are great. So uh, I would agree that for me the folios with the news clippings are my favorite because we have had a few people who come in and they ask questions uh, about Wake Tech and history and things like that. Um, and we have actually found some of the answers. My favorite example is we had a few years ago um, a call where someone was desperately trying to confirm that they had indeed gotten their GED from Wake Tech. Uh, and this was before it was digitized and they could not find the records at all in um, admissions or uh, anything like that. And what, I, what we wound up doing, um, and I believe you helped me with this a little bit, helped pull down at least and, and start looking through, we found old newspaper clippings um, that said this is the list of people graduating from that year. So while we didn't have a graduation program for the GED program, 
uh, we did have those news clippings and I could scan, we, we scanned the, those clippings that at least listed, okay, so these are the students who graduated from Cary because it was published in a Cary paper. Mm -hmm. These are the ones who graduated from Fuquay because it was published in the local Fuquay paper. Um, we managed to find, there was like, I want to say 17 people who graduated that year. We were able to find 15 of their names and thankfully the person who was checking their name was on that list. Mm. While it's not an official document, because it's not a graduation program and it's not an actual transcript, but we could at least say, look, at the time, this newspaper published this person with these other names. And so in our archives, we at least can show that there's something that, that supports the claim that yes, they did in fact get their GED here. And even though that stuff doesn't happen a lot uh it does show that the archives and these kind of things have real value you know and uh, uh i think that if we could um promote it more to staff and faculty and everybody else if we had some way to do that then i think you would see more people uh, uh interested you know i mean the in those folios is you know is a really great story uh, you know so anyways, sorry and that leads into my next question. What is your vision for the archives collection? Like, how, where do you see it going in the future? <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, the thing is, is that after, you know, we put together the team, we did the inventory. Um, the team itself is uh, dispersed, uh, you know, Emily, who has a lot of archive experience, she's at a different library, and Holly, who has archives. So I think that if Holly had her choice that's what she would want to do is work in archives um and she's you know she's good at it she's really uh into it um but she's at a different library now um so and also we don't really have a lot of time to schedule people up there the the situation is that we're at a point where you would go in in archives uh work where you would be now is what's called arrangement and description and this is uh, uh, this is something that that isn't can be can't be done kind of haphazardly. You have to have someone that does it and continues to do it until the project is done. Mm -hmm. Is that a correct way of of, of describing that? So, yes. and I think that because it's not really an institutional um, uh, priority, what we're going to do uh, because we have more free time in the summer is we're going to see what kind of projects we can get done in the summer and have a you know like a definite like beginning and ending summer project um and that's about as far as as we can go what i would like to do is try you know and it's i think this is actually a problem throughout a lot of archives is try and um i'd love to try and digitize uh as much as we could put it online and and make it you know more accessible especially to students everybody you know because everything is digital and if we could get some stuff digital i think that would be really i think that would be really cool but i don't know if that'll <laughs> that'll happen it not being a priority at this point yeah, to, to look at what we're doing going forward, we kind of have to look back at the archives like you'd, like we'd mentioned the history of. Uh, while it was established um, in 
86. It wasn't for like 10 years before anybody really started considering it being something that needed to to be focused on and, and collected. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our first 10 years of archives uh, boiled down to just three boxes of resources that were sent by people who said, okay, well, these things went to the state archives and here's the rest of it we were told not to get rid of. Uh, from there, it started to develop a little bit, but it was at South Campus where there was very limited space and there was no one specially dedicated to it. Um, eventually, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, library staff member named Chris Ann kind of really took it under her wing and started trying to at least organize things a little bit better and come up with a plan of what kind of things to keep. And that's where we had our first finding aid outline I don't it's not necessarily a finding aid it's not as detailed or incomplete but it does have a records of these are the documents that the college should be keeping and here are a few people to contact to try to see what we can do about it Um, and then after the north campus was built uh, in 07 the archives were eventually moved up here to the north campus, but as was mentioned, in a basement storage area of the old library in building B, and it was not the best of uh, places to house it. Um, It was protected against light, but uh, during really heavy rains, sometimes water would start pooling on the floor, and if anything had been left out or left on the tables, or uh, there was always the risk of high condensation and damage that way. Uh, And of course, three moves equal a fire, so uh, first move from small boxes to Chris Ann's trying to developing to moving to north and then moving from one side of north to the other side of the north campus. so everything is uh, was uh, very jumbled up and haphazard. Whatever was the focus of the year is what was being collected. Um, and so definitely this past two years, I would say, the big focus has been on trying to better organize, separate it out, get that complete inventory, which started last summer um, for the item by item list of what we have. And so the push is to make those records a little more consistent, try to get new materials added to the collection so that we have complete sets Mm -hmm. instead of just random whatever it is that we can manage to get a hold of, uh, and then go forward and try to get that information that's in them. The whole point for storing them is to get that information, make sure that it remains available, so to make it accessible. Uh, digitizing certainly and uh, getting more robust complete finding aid available for any researchers so that they have a good idea before they come over what kind of things they might be able to find. So that also uh, when you said wanting to collect more items how could a student a staff member or faculty member um, submit an item to be added to the collection? So the, okay, I'm gonna take this one. (laughs) This was my baby, my pet project when I first started here at Wake Tech um, because I did not have direct experience with archives. Of course, I'd taken a class in it and I worked at the University of North Carolina Greensboro and I had many acquaintances and uh, in the special collections and archives department, but my personal experience wasn't there. I actually did more um, with access Uh, from access services and reference services. Uh, So 
to not be overwhelmed, I had to organize my thoughts and I organize digitally better than I do physically. So I created a library research guide. Um, so it's the library guides from the library uh, homepage um, and it's for archives. On that guide, there is a section where you can um, send uh, suggestions for, uh, I have this thing that I found, and there's like a little, um, there's a, an interactive PowerPoint, so that just goes to show how old it was, how low the technology was when I first started and tried to, to figure out how to do this, but um, where it's one of those where it's click yes or no, uh, and also a flow chart that says, okay, so if you go through and you say, yes, this was created by a Wake Tech staff, faculty, uh, student, or, uh, department and yes it was with college funds and yes it is part of the records retention and disposition schedule or no it's not part of the record retention disposition schedule but it is of cultural or historical value eventually you get to the point where it says okay then fill out this form and the form is also there on the guide as well print it out and either send it with the item or just send the form with the description so that we can review it and see if we're going to accept it and put it into our collection. Um, for the most part, we do have a few departments, uh, communications uh, being our big one, um, and they just send us items because just about anything that they send, we are of course going to keep. Um, graduation programs, we get those each semester. Um, and the wake review and uh, career focus, we do try to keep at least one copy of each of those from each year. Um, so those things we don't really need this form for, but we would like to have it because it would that form gives us the history of where did that item come from, mm -hmm. which department, who sent it to us, what year is it from, because a lot of that information is in there and that'll help us out. Worst case scenario, I don't feel like going through your list. I don't feel like filling out your form. I'm just going to throw this away. Um, hold on. Just send us an email. Uh, you can email the archives directly, wakearchive at waketech.edu, or you can contact either Jennifer Mincy or Jeffrey Todd Knuckles uh, at our emails as well or call our offices and just would rather go ahead and communicate with you and see what we can decide what we can determine uh, we may still have to say no we can't take it but before you throw something out that may be of value or importance uh, either use that online form or just contact us directly and lastly, if someone wants to come, a student wants to come and search through the archives, what process would they go through to, to be able to do that? Contact either one of us and we would have to accompany them up there. Well, that's all I had for today. Um, thank you for um, coming and interviewing with us today. And we hope that everybody will come and check out our archive collection because it's something that's a special part of our history. And again, thank you for coming. You're welcome. And thank you, Nicole. <laughs>
Um, she is a Muslim author. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She's the author of the Shatter Me series, which is another young adult series. And I chose this because um, it's a romance, um, but also it goes over some issues of uh, Islamophobia and some different um, issues to, that we can you know, talk about to find a new perspective of how people are living. And also today I have with me um, Jasmine Smith, and we're going to talk about the book um, she is an avid YA reader. She's also a library assistant here at North Campus. And so we're just going to have a short discussion about the book and hopefully uh, get your interest up in checking this book out. And uh, welcome to the show, Jasmine. Hi, thank you for having me. Okay. So um, first question we're going to talk about um, talks about resistance in the book, the concept of resistance. Um, and in chapter six, uh, the main character's name is Sharon. She's a young girl, young um, Muslim girl. Um, and uh, she talks a lot about how wearing the hijab and, and other aspects of her culture are, um, you know, certain things are, um, she has a hard time adjusting or fitting in. Um, but one thing that saves her, one thing that she kind of conf- kind of um, is has an outlet for her is breakdancing. And so... Um, she talks about how the history of the breakdancing battles is an alternative to violence. Um, so in the book, um, Jasmine, do you remember uh, how does she, um, how did, when, and when people are picking on her, when people are doing things to her, how does she fight and how does she protect herself? Um, and how does music have a part to play in that? Yeah, so um, Sharon faces a lot of blatant Islamophobia in this new town that she has just moved to. Um, The kids kind of look at her differently because she does wear the hijab um, and they, you know, don't really speak to her. Um, So she kind of protects herself by um, putting up a wall between her and other people. Um, She um, describes herself as an exotic specimen behind glass. That's how she believes that people view her. Um, that they just want to, uh, that they're very curious about her, but they don't want to get to know her. So in turn, she decides that she doesn't want to get to know them. She doesn't want to build relationships. Um, but she does end up doing that through breakdancing. Um, she and her brother are avid breakdancers. Um, they discovered a breakdancing movie, and that's how they got into it. Um, and so her brother introduces her to some of his friends who end up, uh, and they end up forming a breakdancing team. And um, she learns how to slowly open herself up to other people through breakdancing, you know, a hobby that they have in common. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also found it interesting that breakdancing was what um, is, you know, like, again, their outlet, because it was kind of a demonstration of two cultures. Because, you know, breakdancing is from the African-American. Yeah. Um, culture, and so I thought that was that was very interesting that um, she was able to find refuge in another culture. Yes, mm-hmm. that's very interesting. Um, and she's not, you know, kind of uh, shying away from her culture. She's, you know, mixing the two, and I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So going on to the next question, um, there's a character Ocean who is, I guess, her love interest ends up being uh, more of a love interest in the book. Um, he's a young, um, he actually happens to be a young, uh, white boy and, um, he has a failure to understand his own privilege or sometimes that, um, 
you know, kind of conflicts with him understanding the realities of Sharon's life as a young Muslim woman. Um, what are some of the consequences that Ocean and Sharon face as they come out as a couple at their school? Yeah, so um, they're kind of out as, as a couple uh, against their will. Um, there is a scene in which they are kissing in the car and someone sees them and sort of, you know, spreads the news against their will um, because Sharon initially did not want everyone to know uh, that they were dating. Um, she felt like um, Ocean would be punished for their relationship uh, just because it is, you know, a small town after 9-11. People were suspicious of uh, Muslims and she didn't want him to face the consequences of dating her. Um, so they are, you know, outed against their will. Um, and, you know, Ocean didn't really fully understand what he was getting into. Um, I don't think he did. Um, he seemed very surprised by the reaction that they got, which was a very negative reaction. Um, you know, there were people telling him that he should break up with her. Um, there were parents in the school district that wanted him off of the basketball team for dating a Muslim girl. Um, and he was just shocked by it all. Um, whereas Sheeran kind of suspected that it would happen. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really think that, you know, he didn't understand just because he'd never gone through something like that before. Um, he wasn't perceived as being different in a mm -hmm. negative way. So it's interesting that she was interest she was more concerned about his consequences that he would go through. Mm -hmm. Were there any consequences that she had um from her family or her, you know, from dating a man that dating a, a boy that's outside of her culture? Um well, I don't think her family really knew about the relationship for the longest time. Um she kind of kept that a secret um not because they would look down on it for cultural reasons, mm -hmm. but just because of who her parents were as people. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't really want her dating. Um, so um, eventually her brother did find out, and he was pretty cool with it. Um, you know, there weren't really, you know, he he had the typical bro big brother uh, reaction and, you know, wanting to make sure that Ocean didn't hurt her or anything. Um, but I think more so she was concerned about Ocean um, just because she had already gone through discrimination and such. So I don't think that that's something that really scared her as mm -hmm. much, just because she had already gone through it. But for Ocean, it was just completely new. Okay. So then there's a part in the book where um, Sharon and her brother Naveed um, grow apart. Um, what's the ultimate thing that uh, starts to make her feel closer to her brother again? Because I... A note, you know, at the beginning of the book, she talks about how close of a relationship she had with her brother, and as they became more into, as they went more into adolescence, they grew further apart. Um, what was her relation? What is her relationship um, like with her brother? Um, yeah, so Sharon and Naveed, you know, like you said, they grew up very close, um, but just through you know growing up and going through adolescence, they kind of um, drifted apart. Uh, which I can understand. Uh, I have a brother as well, and it can be kind of difficult to relate to him. Um, but I think breakdancing is really what brings them together um, when Naveed starts their breakdancing club at school. Um, 
and he brings in his friends and they all practice together and you know it's something that they can bond over um and you know they go to break dancing competitions on the weekends and you know it just becomes a big part of their life um and it's something that they can talk about mm-hmm. um so uh, throughout the book, um, Sharon talks about her uh, hajib or her headscarf and um, different ways that the headscarf highlights her and, and may um, cause her to be threatened or, um, you know, may cause people to single her out. Um, but there's there's still something about it that, um, that you know, it, it's something that makes her feel sometimes that she doesn't have control over her, her own body or what in what ways does she... Um, is she threatened because of what she's wearing, because of her uh, faith that uh, has her to wear this? And um, how does she regain control or regain some kind of autonomy about her body? Herself, um, she states uh, at one point in the book, um, I dressed the way I did, not because I was trying to be a nun, but because it felt good. Um, And she really describes her clothes as armor uh, which is also similar to how the author, Tara Ramafi, feels. Um, in an interview, she stated, um, I am an extremely private person, so clothing has always helped me armor myself for engaging with the world. And I really think that that's how Sharon feels, that you know, by taking control and um, by allowing certain people to see her hair, by you know, being able to control who sees what, you know, she's taking control of her body and, you know, taking control of herself. Um, and that control is definitely threatened in the book. Um, there is a scene uh, where Sheeran is in the bathroom with her hijab off and another girl comes in and takes a photo of her uh, with her hair out and uh, spreads it across school. So, you know, in that moment, she really loses complete control over you know, her image and, you know, her body. Um, So, and, you know, I think that that's just, you know, more Islamophobia that she's had to face um, and deal with. Um, But, you know, she definitely, you know, her hijab is definitely how she armors herself against the world and how she takes control of herself. It's interesting that, like we've been talking about, is the hijab for her is simultaneously something that brings her, you know, some threat, but also it's, it's her power as well. It's, yeah. it's really the power that she uses against the, th- the threat yes. in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, even though, you know, people may treat her differently because she's wearing it, you know, she still feels stronger for having worn it. That's good. And then the final question we're going to talk about um, is about some, how some of the adults that, Sharon was coming in contact with how they treated her differently and how they treated her in ways that really um, were disappointing and um, that you wouldn't expect how an adult to be with a child Mm -hmm. Um, because essentially you know she is still a child yeah Um, what are some of the ways what are some examples of that and 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 how did that play out in the book there are quite a few examples of that Um, after Sharon and Ocean's relationship is outed to the school um, parents in the school district get wind of it. And because Ocean is on the basketball team, he's a very prominent player. Um, a lot of the parents complain about him being on the team. Uh, they tell him that he needs to break up with her. Um, they threaten to remove him from the team, which would take away scholarship opportunities for his future. Um, so that's really unacceptable. 
um, the coach of his basketball team actually corners Sharon and, you know, uh, tells her that she needs to break up with him or he's going to remove Ocean from the team. Um, and that was just really unacceptable. Um, he should never have spoken to her in that way. Um, she felt very threatened in that moment by him. Um, and he was, you know, he's a coach, he's a teacher. Uh, he should be someone that students can trust. And in that moment, she did not trust him. Um, and another example is um, Ocean's mother actually uh, confronts Sharon and tells her that it would be best for Ocean's future if they were to break up. Um, and, you know, it really is, you know, none of her business. Um, it's between Ocean and Sharon. Um, you know, it's a private relationship. Mm. Um, and for the mother to get involved um, was shocking to me. Yeah. I think um, Ocean's mother had, um, he had his best intentions in mind. Um, but the way she went about it was wrong. Um, she kind of, you know, showed up while Sharon was walking home from school and was, you know, that's a bit threatening. Um, so it just, I, I just don't think that it was handled in the best manner. Mm -hmm. um, and it really shows that adults don't always know what's best, that they can also be influenced by Islamophobia and bigotry. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, uh, you just have to keep that in mind when you're dealing with people that um, adults don't necessarily always have the best intentions in mind. Well, thank you for speaking with us today about this book. Um, again, this is a book, um, this book is called A Very Large Expansive Sea by Tahera Mafi. Um, it's available at the North Campus Library if you'd like to check it out. We encourage you to come check it out if you want to have a short um, or a, you know, relaxing read between classes or, to, you know, just to for fun. And we'll see you in the library and hope to, um, you know, again, hope you, you have some interest in this book. Thanks for listening to Behind the Circulation Desk. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash WTCC libraries. Follow us on Twitter at WakeTechLib and follow us on Instagram at WakeTechLibraries. Until next time, happy reading!